For the rest of us, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As we continue our study on the Holy Spirit, I trust that everyone's having a wonderful week and that God is blessing you and your family. Got a little rain this afternoon, but uh, it stopped right before church, so that's good. Didn't pour down on us. So we had a good time at the Best Years Club yesterday at Olive Garden with 45 people. If you are um, in that age group, which is 55 and above, you can join us for our different activities, and we are planning a Valentine banquet here at the church, and that will be February the 12th, which will be a Monday, and that will be at 5.30. Also, uh, every other week, the Best Years Club has a gathering of men and some ladies at one table, and men at uh, several tables put together at uh, Kissing Kate's, which is Beaver Creek uh, breakfast place right down the road on Leland. It's uh, the only restaurant there in Beaver Creek, the Metropolis. Uh, I, I remember uh, our pastor's father was saying they have three lights in Burn, and I thought, well, that's three more than Beaver Creek. Uh, we, we don't have that, but uh, we do have stop signs. I guess we can count those. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. I got to preach at chapel today, so I had elementary chapel and high school chapel. It's been a while since I've done that, and I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's certainly a blessing to look out and see hundreds of young people, a little under 500 in all in our school, and they're just wonderful kids growing in the Lord, uh, learning, and uh, just a blessing. Sweet spirit, what a blessing. Usually... When you go to preach at a, a Christian school, it's like, oh, no, uh, because they're not always as attentive. But our kids are just the opposite. They're very attentive. They're very kind. They listen well. And it's just a blessing to be able to speak to them. If you found that passage scripture, and of course, it's on the screen as well, could we stand as we read these two verses, verses 19 and 20? The Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And let's bow our heads for a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the study. Father, thank you so much for this time we have together. I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet with us in such a fashion that every heart could be spoken to. I pray that as we read and teach on Scripture, that the Holy Spirit, the author, would use it to come into our hearts, dear Lord, and give us the truth that we need. Now, this passage teaches you dwell in us, and we are your temple, and we thank you for that. That wherever we go, you go with us. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to see the significance of that and the importance of that. And I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Tonight I'm teaching on the subject, the body and the Holy Spirit. The body and the Holy Spirit. And I 
I say that because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, you know, many times we'll meet together in churches and someone will inevitably pray, Lord, uh, meet with us in this place. And, and that's okay because God's people are gathered together where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst. So that's, that's a, a totally scriptural thing. Meet with us, Lord. Christians are gathered. Meet with us. But we also understand that in every one of our Christians, Christian lives, the Holy Spirit already dwells within us, and our bodies are his temple. And we don't always understand the significance of that, but hopefully tonight we'll share some of the aspects of that that will be helpful to all of us. I want to once again go over those verses. Let's back up at verse 19. And let's look at what the Bible is saying there. It says, what? Now that question, what, is uh, the Apostle Paul's writing the church of Corinth. Corinth has some problems, and part of the problems is he's, he's dealing with carnal Christians. And he's going to say that earlier in the book. Are you not carnal? Uh, carnal means uh, you are a Christian, but you are not following the path of the Holy Spirit, you're following the path of your own flesh. That's called a carnal Christian. Have they trusted Christ as their Savior? Yes. Have they yielded to Christ in every area of their life? No, they have not. But the Apostle Paul begs them to do that, teaches them to do that. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us. Now, in the Bible, we have the reference Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. It's the third person of the Trinity. And it's the Holy Spirit who lives within and indwells the believer. Someone said about salvation that God the Father thought it. God the Son bought it, and God the Holy Spirit brought it. He brought it to us. He woos people to the Savior, to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit of God has that role of conforming us as believers into the image of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He magnifies Christ. He never magnifies himself. And yet his role is so mighty and so powerful in the life of a believer. And unless we are understanding that, we have lost the power of the Christian life. It doesn't come with our actions. We never become good enough Christians to be powerful Christians. The power is already in us, and it's the person of the Holy Spirit of God. He is the power of God. He has the power that we need to whether serve him or to teach or to preach or to witness or to read the word of God and understand. The Holy Spirit already brings that with him. He does not make us powerful Christians. In fact, I would go as far as to say there's no such thing as a powerful Christian. There are Christians who are weak enough to understand they need God's power, and so they rely on Him. Excuse me. <coughs> Our relying on the Holy Spirit does not make us powerful. 
no more than a lamp is powerful because it plugs into the wall. It's the electricity inside the wall that makes the lamp light up. The lamp is not powerful, but electricity is. You and I are the lamp. The Holy Spirit of God is the electricity. He lives inside of us. Now, if you unplug that lamp, you would never say, boy, that's a powerful lamp. It just puts off so much light. It's amazing. No, if it's unplugged, it's not amazing. It's just a decorative piece. And that's all we are without the agency of the Holy Spirit of God in us yielding to the Holy Spirit. We're just a decorative piece. We are an, a pawn on the chessboard of God that has the Holy Spirit in us, but won't let him make the moves. And if you're not letting God make the moves in your life, you're going to be checkmated every single time. But it's when you allow the Spirit of God to work in your life, to motivate you, to guide you. Jesus said he's the comforter and he will come and guide us into all truth. He's our guide. He's our comforter. So many different roles that we've already discussed of the Holy Spirit. Discernment, wisdom, all of that coming from the Holy Spirit of God. Which ye have of God. So the Holy Spirit does not come from us. It's not our reaching out. It's not our begging and our pleading. When we yield to the Lord and trusting Him as our personal Savior, we get saved, we get sealed, we get heaven, we get forgiveness, and we get the earnest of the Spirit, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. He comes to live inside of us. And ye are not your own. Now this is a teaching that he has not yet suggested to the church of Corinth. And many Christians still haven't understand that ye are not your own. He told that to the church at Rome. And he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And yet here is the teaching in Corinthians. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, but we have to understand he is not a guest. He is the owner. He's not a visitor. He owns the house now. You see, when we trusted Christ as our Savior, he became ours and we became his. And he bought us with a price. And on Calvary, he paid for that in full, for our sin. But it not only died for our sin, he died that now we become his children. We are in his family. And we are the children in the family. Now, I know this is a new concept in this age in which we live, but it's something we understood many years ago. The children don't run the household. Now, I know, I know, don't, get, don't look shocked. I know in homes that happens, but... It didn't happen at the home I grew up with. But nor does it happen in the household of God. We we are the children. We are led by the Spirit. We are guided by the Holy Ghost. Uh, We are commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to do as He says, not as we say. We're not telling the Holy Spirit what we want. Holy Spirit, I'd really like you to do this, this, and this in my life. No, it's... 
Holy Spirit, how do you want me to live? What do you want out of my life? How can I yield myself better to you for your control? We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. And because of that, there's a therefore. Someone said, whenever you find a therefore, you must look to see what it's there for. Why is that therefore there? Well, because we've been bought with a price and our bodies are not our own, we are to glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. Now, I believe that most Christians understand we're to glorify God in our spirit. Well, when we read the Bible, we don't think that's a bodily thing. We think that's a spiritual thing. When we pray, we don't think, well, that's a bodily thing. No, we think that's our spirit. When we go to church, we don't think that's a bodily thing other than showing up. But we think, no, that's a spiritual thing. And yet the Bible says glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. So God is concerned about our body as well as our spirit. In fact, um, in one of the epistles in John, it says that I trust that your um, body will be, well, let me just go by and look at it real fast and quote it to you. Dun, dun, dun. Hopefully I can find that there. Well, I thought I would find it underlined, but I just have several hundred things underlined, so it's going to be a little hard to find. But he says, I trust that you would, you would uh, prosper even as your soul prospers. And so, in other words, God wants us to prosper on the outside, prosper in this life as our soul prospers. Now, our soul is that spiritual growth that you and I come to think of, a Bible reading, prayer, church, um, Bible study, loving on people, serving people. That's all spiritual things that we think, oh, that's natural. We know that's what God wants us to do. But now the Bible says, glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God. So God is concerned about us. Many years ago, I, I was uh, talking to a pastor who happened to be a guest. Uh, I'd invited him. He was preaching. He's an evangelist now. He spent many years at one church, built a great church in Iowa. And uh, God used that. And now the church has continued to go on and do even greater heights because his son is now the pastor. It's, a, it's uh, amazing to see that transition doing so well, just as our church is. And excited about that. And uh, he was saying to me when he was here, he said, uh, Pastor, do you exercise? And I said, uh, well, I usually walk to the dinner table. Uh, you know, I, I like to walk there and walk back to my uh, rocking chair. I, I don't have one of those little scooters I get on to go that 20 feet. I, and, and I was just being humorous. And he said, pastors, he said, you know that more people, more pastors get out of the ministry because of their health than immorality. We think about someone in ministry getting out because, quote, they messed up. And boy, that's sad to hear. 
But many more are out of the ministry because of their health. Many of our missionaries come back from the mission field. I don't know any of them really because of immorality, but because of their health. Either they or their wife's health fails. And many times, he says, it's just because we don't take care of ourselves. Now, there's interesting because this pastor, while he was with us, was telling us some of the things he was doing. And, and I'm guessing at that time, he was almost my age now. Not exactly a spring chicken, but, you know, not one leg in the grave. But he took up at about at 67 or 68 riding a bike. And he would ride bikes to the hospital to make visits. And they were 60 miles one way. I said, what? He said, well, it's flat. It's Iowa. I don't care how flat. I don't care if it's downhill. 60 miles, that's a long way. And then, of course, going back is crazy. I said, how in the world? He said, well, I, you know, I got my outfit on. I, I, I've got my bike pants with a padding in the back. Uh, I said, well, that's helpful. And uh, he's got like a 12 speed or 18 speed or something. And he's got the helmet with the mirror and uh, all of the different things that you need and something to listen to while he uh, goes. And he said, I've worked it out with every one of the hospitals. The furthest one's 60, but there is a closer one about 30 in a different direction. And he said, so I go to the hospital and I've worked it out. I, I can go to their um, uh, employee's place and, I, and they've given me a locker. And I've got a suit in there and I have all my dress shoes and everything. So I go there, I get changed, and then I go make the visit. And then I come back and get changed again, get my bike outfit, and then I drive home. He said, now, the furthest I went was almost 100 miles. He said, when I got there and had the visit, I, I thought, you know, I'm a little tired. So I had to call my wife and say, could you come get me? Well, that could cause marriage problems right there. Uh, Miss Vicky said, yeah, I, I'll put it on my schedule tomorrow. I'll, I'll be by there. Uh, but anyway, healthy. And, but the idea is our bodies belong to God. And if you're going to have longevity in serving the Lord, you're going to have to take care of your body. You're going to have to take care of your physical condition. Uh, many uh, of our people perhaps have diabetes. I've, I've had that for probably, oh goodness, uh, 20 years at least. Now, I don't take shots. I take some pills. Uh, but if the pills aren't working, I, I, I take herbal things. And you would not believe all the things a man will take in his body if, if they say it'll help. Dandelion greens or whatever it is, you know. It's like, you're kidding me. My dog used to eat that stuff. But now I'm paying $40 a bottle to eat the same thing my dog ate free. I'm going to have to graze in the yard, I guess. But you'll try anything to help your body. Get your blood sugar down. Get your blood pressure down. Get, you know, drop a little weight and stuff. I've been able to lose a little weight this last many months. And 
People say how to do it. There's a very secret way to do it. You starve yourself. That's the only way I know. You just stay hungry all the time. I try to eat once a day. Uh, Well, how do you do that? Well, not easily, not easily, but you do get in a pattern where it, it works out, but it's difficult, especially at first. My stomach thinks my throat's cut and uh, is begging me for food. And as sure as I'm trying to stay on that regiment, someone said, Pastor, I baked a cake. Would you like a slice? Well, yeah, I would. But no, I'm going to pass. I've got to. Now, I've just gone through these two verses. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Our body belongs to God. Our spirit belongs to God. Now, as it relates to the Holy Spirit, what are we going to see the Bible teach us? First of all, The flesh controls the body of the lost. Now, I know sometimes the flesh controls the body of a Christian. I know that. But in every case, the flesh controls the body of a person who doesn't know Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says, And you hath he quickened. Quickened. Old English word mean made alive. Quickened. He made you alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It means alive and powerful. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also ye, uh, we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now this simply tells us when we were not believers, the the flesh controlled us, and it does. Uh, For instance, you look at uh, people who are lost, but they might be bodybuilders, and you say, well, certainly they're not led of the flesh. Oh, yeah. It's a fleshly desire to have that body. Yeah. Uh, when I'm at home and we're watching something on TV and they happen to show a very mes- muscular man, and I said, I would never take off my shirt and just brag like that guy. Implying I look exactly the same under my T-shirt, too. <laughs> Which is totally crazy. But let me say that uh, that is a fleshly motive. He, they want to do that, and they go through all sorts of sacrifices to get that perfect body. Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, back in the day, many, many years ago, Mr. Universe, and, uh, and he had a physique like none other and won that title, I think, five different times. But he could make the muscle on the back that nobody even knew belonged there poke out. I mean, he just worked every muscle he could find in the body. Well, that's a fleshly motive. 
That didn't get him any closer to the Lord. That was not yielding to the Holy Spirit of God. So we're not seeking that. I like the Bible saying bodily exercise profiteth little. I like that. So about the time I want to exercise, I'll say, yeah, but that's a little profit. No, I, I try to do it anyway. But it's saying as a believer, that's not our emphasis. It's okay to be physically well but uh, and fit. That's fine. But that's not the goal of our life. We only want to be healthy so we can serve God more effectively. We want to be able to do that. I've been fighting a cough for several weeks. And I, I told yes, uh, my wife yesterday, we went to Olive Garden. I came back. I said, honey, uh, I, just, I just think I need to get in bed the, the rest of the afternoon. I'm not prone to do that. But I've just been fighting through this cold and cough and and, and uh, headache and just fighting through it, fighting through it. And I said, I think I, I just need to do that. And so I did. And I, I feel much better today. I'm not, I'm not 100%, but I, I feel a lot better. Uh, there's times you're going to have to rest and you've got to have to know that you're, you're taking care of your body so that you could serve longer. And sometimes it, it's rest. Jesus even told his disciples, come aside and rest for a while. And and Jesus ministered to so many people. Sometimes he had to come away and get alone with his disciples. He had to recuperate physically. He's God in flesh, but he's still in flesh. And so his body was still weary. You remember him sleeping in the bottom of the boat? He's weary. He's tired. He's pushing his body. And sometimes... He had to come outside and just rest. And sometimes we'll have to do that. The spirit indwells the believer's body. Now the flesh controls the lost person, but the spirit indwells the believer. Our text tells us that. He dwells within us. We are his temple. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16 says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell with them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now that's an interesting thing there. He said, I'm going to walk with them, and talk with them, and they're going to be my people. We're the temple of the living God. And God wants to dwell in us, which he does. He says, I will dwell in them. And then this is an interesting thing he says, I will walk with them. Walk with them. And as I think about that, I think back to Adam and Eve in the garden. And the Bible says, in uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Why was the voice of God walking in the midst of the garden? Because God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. God 
created man to walk with them. We are created for him and for his pleasure. And so he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to walk with us. It's interesting in the Old Testament, God created a tabernacle in the wilderness. Now, the tabernacle is a fancy word for tent. And that tent that was erected in the midst of the Israelites was where God chose to meet with men. He gathered the high priest, his priest, and he met with them. <coughs> Around that was the inner court. Around that was the outer court. But God's people could come around it, not all in the temple, but around it, around that tent. The tent was, it was very small, about the size of one section of pews, counting the holy place and the holy of holy place. It wasn't very big. Ten cubics, 15 feet wide, that's all it was. 15 by 20 and then 15 by 15 uh, no, 15 by 30, and then 15 by 15. So 15 by 45, that, that's all it was. So not a lot of people went in there, but they could get around it. And God wanted to tabernacle with man. He wanted us to be able to meet with him. In the book of Revelation, when we see the new heaven, it's going to say, and the tabernacle of God is with men. So in other words, there was a time that man tenant with God to fellowship with him. But there's going to be eternity when God tents with us. God dwells with us. And that's what heaven's all about. God wanting to dwell with us and fellowship with us. It, it's not like, uh, you know, you think of heaven, here's a myriad of people, and you're somewhere in the back saying, I think I see him. I think that's him. You know, no. It's, it's that personal relationship. Since God's everywhere, it's that personal relationship with God, fellowship, communion with God on a daily basis through all eternity. It is going to be so wonderful. And uh, what a blessing that would be. The Spirit of God indwells us, and He will be their God, and they shall be my people. So God chooses to live with us. The relationship between God and the Old Testament tabernacle and the temple is the same relation that exists between God and the Christian body. That tabernacle and later Solomon's temple was where God chose to meet. Well, our bodies is where God chooses to meet. Our bodies are now the temple of God. Not building, not edifices, uh, not elaborate, oh, that's a wonderful temple. No, no, our bodies are that temple. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, my wife and I were talking a little bit this afternoon, and she was talking about a, a Christian movie that they watched last night while I was going to bed early. Uh, 
And a man was a pastor. And she said it was odd, though, because he was pastoring in the South and he had people that were smoking cigarettes inside the church. And I said, well, I said, honey, if you remember, the first church we pastored in Mississippi, I think everybody and their dog smoked. Um, uh, there, there might have been a small handful that didn't. But as soon as church was over, right outside the church door, the Shekinah glory just lit up. It was amazing. One day, a man was standing near the side door, and he pulled out his cigarette, and he got his lighter. And I said, uh, you weren't going to do that in the church, were you? Oh, no, pastor, of course not. And stepped out and lit up, you know. One time I told uh, Miss Vicky, I said, might as well pack your bags because I'm going to preach against smoking. I said, honey, you better just start packing because they're going to vote me out. And so that Sunday morning, it wasn't the whole sermon. It was just one part of it, our body being the temple. And I just suggested a few things that wouldn't be good for the temple. Smoking being one of them. And it was very quiet. And afterwards, I expected a riot, but instead they all came and said, Pastor, you preached it true today. And boy, they, uh, they all shook my hand and said, you told it like it was, Pastor. And I thought, well, that's unusual. I didn't expect that. And then I noticed out in the parking lot, they were all standing there with the jitters. And finally, a visitor lit up, and when he lit up, everybody else lit up. It was just whoosh. We literally could have paved the parking lot. It was gravel, but we could have paved it with cigarette butts. Out here, I used to always pick up cigarette butts out of the parking lot, because this is God's property. I would pick it out. And... uh but there, I would be spending all my time every day, every week, picking up cigarette butts. And sometimes while I was picking up those cigarette butts in front of the church, and especially when there were people around, Miss Vicky would say, Honey, put those down. There's not a good smoke left. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. I just was thinking of you. But anyway... And so we would kid each other about picking up the cigarette butts. By the way, I try to keep them out of the front, but I don't worry about the back doors. So they're going to be what they are. The relationship. We are the temple. And then finally, every Christian must present his body to God. Now, the Holy Spirit already indwells us. We already are his temple. Our body is his temple. But it being so is not the same. For instance, you remember that Solomon built the temple. Just like in the Old Testament, they built a tabernacle. But you'll notice that when they dedicated it to the Lord is when the Lord inhabited it, his tabernacle, and the Lord inhabited his temple. In other words, the presence of the Lord came down. The building was already set. The, the tent was already put up. 
It was very elaborate. It was made to God's specifications, the same to Solomon's temple. The Bible says very plainly that God showed him the pattern of the temple and all the things in the temple. God showed him the blueprints, if you will. This is what it ought to be. And Solomon built it very meticulous. But God's presence wasn't in there. It was only on the day that they dedicated it to the Lord that the presence of the Lord came in there so much, it just, it was like a fog. It was like the presence of the Lord, like thick smoke. Didn't smell like smoke, but like thick smoke. And the, the priest could not even go in because God's presence had come down to dwell in that building. So, what I'm saying is, it was God's building before the dedication. But the presence of God didn't fill the place until the dedication, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Check that out. You'll see that in Scripture. Well, the Holy Spirit indwells us. But He's not going to be able to fill us like He wants until we yield ourselves to Him. And so there has to be a time we dedicate our bodies, ourselves, to the Lord. I was preaching this morning to our high school seniors, and I was referring to when I was 16 years old, how I dedicated my life to God. I knelt down beside my bed in my uh, bedroom. I, I didn't turn the lights on. It was night, and I just said, Lord... I'm getting rid of all my plans, and I only want to do your will, no matter what it is. I don't care if it's dog catcher. I don't care if it's trash collector. I don't care if it's digging ditches. I don't care if it's being a pastor of a little bitty church in the middle of nowhere. I don't care. I don't care if it's a missionary on the mission field. I just want to be yours, yours. And I want my life to count for you Not that anybody else in the world even knows it. I just want you to know, you've got me. And that was the time I dedicated myself to the Lord. Now, may I say that many, many times after that, I've had to do the very same thing. Very same thing. It doesn't mean the pull of the flesh just flies out the window. We have to constantly yield ourselves. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily, right? He's dying to self so that he might live for Christ and what Christ wants to do in his life. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I. It's Christ living in me. And that's the way it ought to be. We ought to be so yielded that the Spirit of God controls this body, this flesh, this mind, this soul, our spirit. But we present ourselves. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we yield ourselves to the Lord. And may I suggest if there's been a time, in, there has not been a time in your Christian life where you have just got alone with God and said, Lord, I'm yours. I want you to know that. 
I, I don't want just assume that you know that because your Holy Spirit already lives in me. I'm already the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know, Holy Spirit, you're, you're in charge. This is your body. This, this is your house. I'm the servant. You're the master. You let me know your desires and that's what I'll seek to do. There needs to be that time of dying to self and yielding to God. Where you're letting God know that he's got the keys to the house. He's the driver in the car. He's the one who runs the show. He's in charge. And you let him know that. So the Holy Spirit not only dwells with you, but he controls you, he guides you, he leads you. And that's what the Holy Spirit seeks to do in every single Christian's life. And yet most Christians would know the Holy Spirit does live inside of them. Does the Holy Spirit control you? And you'd say, well, maybe, I guess so, I hope so, uh, maybe. I don't know. But there comes that time where you have to yield to the Holy Spirit and let him know he's the master, you're the slave, he's the owner, you're the servant. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. By sacrifice, you're doing what he wants instead of what you want. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20 says, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Now, when I was a 16-year-old boy, I would go to youth camp. I, I started quite early, way before then. But when I was 16, <clears throat> this particular youth camp, everyone would ask me, Mike, what's your life verse? Well, I'd never even heard of that. What's your life verse? I, I would say, well, the whole Bible. And they look, no, no, what's your life verse? And I said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, what's a verse in the scripture that you claim is yours? And, and you, what's your testimony verse? Boy, it took me a lot of questions asking to figure out what they were talking about. And when I finally understood it, I said, I have no clue. I don't have one. Oh, Mike, you need one. Well, being a teenager and knowing peer pressure, I thought, I need one, I need one. So I started looking. Praise the Lord, I didn't start in Genesis, I started in Matthew. But I started looking. And I got to Philippians chapter uh, 1 in verse 20. And in fact, I don't have the whole verse. My life verse is not the whole verse my life verse is Philippians chapter 1, verse 20b. I got half a verse, the last part of this verse. And so here's my life verse. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Even as a teenager, all that mattered to me is my life brings glory to God. 
Now, I wish I could tell you, no, everything I did brings glory. No, no, no. I've disappointed God more times than I could think of. But that's always been my goal, is to bring glory to God in my body, whether it be by life or death. I've never been afraid of dying. I just want to die well. I just, I, I, I want I want to have a good testimony. If I die, I want a good testimony in death. If it's a slow death, I, I don't, I'm not going to grumble, gripe. I'm, I just want to have a good sweet testimony. That's one thing I, I love about uh, Dave, who's battling cancer and on hospice and in a wheelchair and in men's prayer breakfast. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, the Lord is so good, Pastor, isn't he? He's so good. He's literally dying in his flesh, but he's blooming in his spirit. And what a testimony. And that's, that's what I want with my life. I want it to count for Christ throughout my whole life, in my life and in my death. And so that was my verse. Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. And these are our last verses. No, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Thank you very much, Colby. I skipped that. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, the word castaway is the word, it's a, it's a Greek word, a dakamos, and a castaway means disapproved. It doesn't mean disowned. You, you have some people that maybe are friends, uh, but you've known them long enough that though they're friends, you just, you just can't trust them. They're friends, but you can't trust everything they say. Uh, there have been times where someone say, uh, asked me a question about someone and maybe about this or that, and I'd say, listen, they're a really good person, really good but I'd cut in half about everything they say. About half of it's going to be accurate. We like to paint ourselves a lot bigger than we are, and we're not. But you keep under your body lest you be a castaway. In other words, Paul says, I don't want to be put on a shelf. I want to serve God all my life. I don't want to disappoint the Lord where the Lord says, I love you, Saul. I love you, Paul. You're, you're a great guy. You're saved. You're sealed. I'll see you in heaven. We're going to have a great time. But for the rest of your journey, I'm just going to have to put you on a shelf because you've disqualified yourself. You've lost your testimony. You've lost your usability. I still love you. You're saved. You're going to be in heaven. But I don't want to be put on a shelf. And you and I ought to be conscious of that, that we don't want to disappoint the Holy Spirit and, and be put on a shelf. I want to serve till it's all done. Faithful unto death. Not faithful unto 60 or faithful unto 70. I want to just keep on going. That's what I love about Ben Ashbaugh on Sunday morning coming in with his walker at 99. You don't think he could think of reasons he should stay home? Hunched over, coming at 99. 
That's what I want to do if I live that old. I want to be faithful unto death. Here's the last verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That's a broad word meaning any type of sexual immorality. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That word concupiscence is a word that means lust to overfilling. It doesn't mean uh, you, you don't deal with lust. It means you don't let it overflow. You don't let it seep out. You, you, you keep yourself. He says, I keep under my body. I, keep, I have evil desires because you're clothed in flesh, but you keep it in. You don't let it get out. <coughs> that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. And then it says, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any manner, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have uh, forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called you unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Now that's referring to our bodies. God's called us unto holiness. And we have to watch ourselves. Uh, if you get wrapped up in the things of the world, we read the verse in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, you defile the body, God will destroy it. You're a Christian. You get on drugs, you can die on drugs. You get enamored with alcohol, you can die an alcoholic. You get, you get enamored with food, you can die before your days, before you probably should have. Uh, there's so many things that are out to destroy us and have a pull on us Keep in mind, the devil is the, the uh, God, small g, of this world, the prince and power of this world. And he's looking to corrupt us so that our influence for Christ is reduced. And if he can keep us unhealthy, we can love the Lord, we just can't serve him. So we've got to watch our bodies, we've got to watch our spirits, we've got to watch our souls we cannot be enamored with this world because it seeks to pull us away from effectively serving the Lord. I like hobbies, but Christians can get so enamored with a hobby that they're spending all their time doing that instead of serving the Lord. Try to have a balanced Christian life. Have balance in your Christian life. God's not looking for a Christian to spend 100% of his time always on the go for him. But put that in your life. Put a portion of that in your life that you serve the Lord. But then have a time for your family and then have time for friends and then have time to work. And then you, so you have a balance in your life. That's what God wants. How do you get that? The Holy Spirit knows that. You yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. He'll let you know when you're spending too much time on work and not enough with your family. He'll let you know that. He'll let you know when you've neglected friends. He'll let you know all of those things. He'll put that in your mind of what you ought to do. So it all starts with presenting our bodies to the Holy Spirit to be used of Him.
And that's where we conclude tonight. The body, our bodies in the Holy Spirit. Has there been a time in your life where you've said, Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I'm yours. You lead, you guide, you direct. Wherever he leads, I'll go wherever he wants. I'm so glad of this. Wherever he leads, he feeds. Wherever wherever he guides, he provides. You never have to worry about that. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just think about yielding yourselves to the Holy Spirit if you've not done that? Wholly dedicating your life to Christ if that has not been your experience. If there's not been a time you've done that. I'm not asking you to do that tonight at the altar. It takes longer than that. But maybe when you go to bed tonight, would you lie there and just think about God and talk to him a bit and tell him how you're his and you belong to him and you give him the keys to the house of your life? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll speak to us as individual believers. And Lord, though I did that many years ago, there's so many times you call me in my spirit to do it again. I thank you for those times. They are most beneficial to me. Father, I pray it will be for every Christian that's here and those who will watch online. Help us to be yielded to you, O Holy Spirit of God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The piano is playing. Would you just think about yielding to the Holy Spirit and Him having control? The fact that our bodies are His sanctuary. bless you. Thank you so much and uh, certainly a joy. I trust that you're uh, being helped by the study on the Holy Spirit. I do know the Holy Spirit is the one who helps. It's not the teaching of him, but it is him himself that does the helping in our lives. So thank you very much. God bless you. You are dismissed.